Father in heaven, we know, Lord, that uh, you've promised that your Holy Spirit will help us to understand your word. The Spirit will guide us. The Spirit will encourage us and help give us a restart. And God, today, as we talk about generosity, Lord, giving of what you've given us, help, Lord, us to just be so open to what you want to do. Maybe you have to, like, reorder, Lord, our thinking. Maybe you have to reorder, Lord, our heart right now. But we just allow you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you're joining us in week three of the series Generosity. And in case this is your first week, just to kind of catch up, or if you've slept since then and you want to catch up on what we talked about, week one, we talked about the absurdity of giving and the idea that it is absurd to the world to give in the way that God calls Christians to give, the way that we practice giving. Right? In fact, the world right now is, is pushing just the opposite of getting, giving. The world is pushing hoarding. And I do have to confess that if you look in one of our guest room closets and open it up, there's like, this is all me too, toilet paper, paper towels, salsa, pickles. Yeah, I don't want to run out of salsa and pickles. Toilet paper, I may give you some, but you know, like uh, the absurdity and, and you know, I know if I get you, if you want pickles, I'll give you some pickles. Anyway, the, we are hoarding these days and hoarding some of the craziest stuff, but God calls us, you know, to give. And that's just absurd to the way the way the world thinks. In week two, last week, Pastor John talked about the choice of being generous. We have a choice when God gives us stuff to actually give or not. And he really talked about the idea biblically of what it means to grow in your giving. So for some of you here today, you might say, well, I've done this all my life. And well, maybe God is stretching you through this sermon series as we look in scripture. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, I would like to be more generous, or I don't even know what that word means. This is for you today. We're so glad you're here. If you want to follow along in the Bible, we're going to be in the first five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're kind of going over these two chapters, chapter 8 and 9 in this sermon series. We're going to end the sermon today in a little bit in Matthew 27. We'll have that on the screen for you so you can just follow along there. About a month ago, about a month ago, something big happened in our state and in North Texas, and it was called the World Series. Now, here's the cool part. Like, it happened in our brand new Texas Rangers Globe Life Park Stadium. The non-cool part now for like over 40 years, the Rangers were not winning the World Series. They were in it before, but they've not in it this time. But instead, we had the Dodgers, and the Dodgers won. And the cool part is there's a guy on the Dodgers team that you might recognize. You're like, why do you have Clayton Kershaw up there? Well, if you didn't know it, Clayton Kershaw grew up here in North Texas. He's a native. And if you look at this guy and his numbers, it's arguably that he is the best pitcher in baseball in our generation. Phenomenal ERA, just wonderful, just doing an amazing job. But he hadn't won a World Series, and he's been at this since like 2011, 2013. He's been part of the Dodgers organization. Well, this year he finally won. And I thought how interesting it would be to go back to his life and think about, you know, how much did he have to work at actually winning this World Series? And he had to do it. He graduated from Highland Park High School in Dallas. And he followed his career. He was okay and decent early on in high school. He was able to play multiple sports, you name it. But it wasn't until working at it, coupled with God giving him a growth spurt, And once he had that growth spurt in high school, boom, he was unstoppable. 
I think his senior year, he was like 13 and 0. Dodgers picked him up when he was 18, gave up a, a, a scholarship, I think, to AM. He's like, nope, going to the Dodgers organization. His parents divorced when he was 10 years old, had to fight through that. All this stuff, as, as he worked with what God had given him, he and his wife were moved to generosity. And that's why I talk about this today. He was able to take the buku loads of money that he gets paid, okay, all that money, and take an idea that he and his wife had and make it reality. And here's the idea. They started with the Kershaw Foundation, an orphanage in Zambia. Now, I don't know if you've been to Zambia. I haven't. But what I do know is it is a poor country. And what I do know about Zambia as well is it is hard anywhere in the continent of Africa to actually get something done. So can you imagine, we have an idea or a concept, we want to be generous, how much work they had to do along the way over time to make it happen. Do you know that God wants to do something like that in your life? I guarantee you won't win the World Series, but you may actually start an orphanage, but there's so many other things that are just on par with that orphanage that God wants to do the work of generosity in you. Now the problem is this, sometimes we have an idea but we don't actually do it. In fact, here's our first point. Are you more in love with the idea of being generous or actually being a generous person? You might not have thought about this before. We do a great job of loving the idea of things that we think are good for us or good to do. But actually being that or doing that is something different. For instance, I love the idea of being chiseled and in shape. And for about a day, I may do push-ups or sit-ups and think about it, but then it's fast and fleeting away because I don't know about the being part and the work. I like the idea of being thinner, right? All these kind of things. You like the idea, but you may not do the work. In fact, the idea of being generous, for instance, it starts with a desire, okay? So Paul, when he's going to write to the church in Corinth, He's like, it it all starts with an idea, and it starts with a desire, but it can't just stay with a desire. You get that? Like, you can't just think, oh, I I think I want to be generous. I'm excited about this, but it can't just stay there. So let me set up this text for you and kind of walk through Paul's solution, if you will, Holy Spirit-guided, God-encouraged way of you to actually do the work of generosity. So you're like, I want to be that kind of person. How do I get there? Here's, Here's what Paul does. Now, I just want to let you know, this is the fourth letter we think that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. We're missing a couple, so we call them 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So he's written about four letters. The first one that we have is one that he is just reprimanding them. He's getting on them like, y'all are messing up. He's like, you don't act like that. You gotta, he's trying to give them some parameters on how to live. But if you follow the first eight chapters before our chapter nine today of the second letter here, it's very encouraging. He, he kind of sees some growth in them. And he's like, okay, you know, obviously God is doing some amazing work in you. And here's a way to make it even better. So he starts in verse 1. Now look at closely and tell me why he is writing this and if he needs to. He says, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. Then why write? I found that very interesting. There's no need for me but... So most think that this was maybe a sarcastic portion of the letter where he's like, you know, I didn't think I had to, but I probably do just to encourage you and make sure that you are on track and actually doing what your heart says you want to do. So there's no need to write to me, but I did. 
For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about you to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So what's going on here? Macedonia was north of the main part of Corinth. Okay, Corinth down here, Achaia is kind of like the capital. Macedonia is up here. Macedonia was maybe like a suburb, a small town, but they were poor, poorer than those in Achaia. And he is writing them because earlier you're, you're hearing that Macedonia, like they're hitting out of the ballpark. Macedonians are, are gathering lots of money that they, who knows where they're getting it. And they're passing it to the church in Jerusalem. The believers in Jerusalem that are going through a famine, going through a lot of poverty, they will never know or meet these people. And they're just giving. And so to encourage them, Paul is saying, hey, you know, the, Cor- the Corinthians down there in Achaia, they, they're excited too. I want to, you're not alone. They're ready to gather a bit and they're going to be given too. And Paul says, hey, I can see you're enthusiastic. I can see you're eager to help. I've been boasting about this and you have enthusiasm. But hey, we want to make sure that that actually turns into reality. That you, you have the desire, but something happens. And so that leads to the next point. Becoming a generous person requires action. It requires action. So listen to the action that Paul takes. I've I've never noticed his action before here, but check this out. He says, but I am sending the brothers. (laughs) Let me tell you something, right? I'm sending the brothers. Yeah, I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. He's sending the mafia to them, right? Maybe not. But you got to wonder how this went down. If you're reading it, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, we haven't really started collecting and he's sending the brothers. How many would that be? How big are they? And what are they bringing with them? I would love to have the rest of the story on how this turned out, but it's lost to history, right? Now, I don't know that Pastor John and Jet and I are going to send the brothers to your house. But what Paul, the principle that Paul is trying to teach us is this, is that we want to move from just wanting to actually doing, to the work of generosity, to action. Now, I want to tell you something. I have been absolutely amazed over the last nine months of your, in general, not just you, but your, in general, your generosity. You have just given above and beyond. God has just knocked the socks off of this. We've been able to just love on people still, do the ministry that God has called us to do, you name it. And over the last two weeks and then this week, we're actually trying to help you engage even further in that. If you recall, like the, the work of generosity of the first week was to help the veterans out. And you all picked up, like I think, over 100 cards. You wrote cards. You know, people signed up carrying food to the VA hospital, all this kind of stuff. Last week was the bag that we encouraged you to get, the reverse Advent bag where you put uh, food in it. And, at the end, and by Christmas time, you take it. This week, this week, we have an opportunity for you to do the work of generosity with our angel tree. Now, if you're new here, and you, what's an angel tree? We have a lot of young kiddos, adolescents, little kiddos, some, some five months old, you know, you name it, young kiddos that would have nothing for Christmas in our Metroplex area if it weren't for the angel tree. So what we did is we, we said, hey, St. John's going to take 150 of these kiddos. And usually we have 150 cards that are on a big tree. 
When you came in here, what we have now is 50 cards, the old-fashioned way where you pick up the card, and then you're like, okay, this is the, the age, the name, and this is the gift they want. And then you would go and buy it. You bring it back here by the 13th and, and December 13th, and, and we give it away. We have 100, though. That's 50. We have 100 of the new way of doing it, 100 kiddos that are basically what you do is you type the word tree to the 833 number, tree, and you will get a link to Amazon to the present, and you buy it, and it goes to their house. Now, let me tell you something. I challenged the previous services. I said, I challenge you that we want to be out of these by noon today. In fact, I challenge you even more. I said, said make it so that I, when I preach on this, there's going to be nothing left for me to encourage you all at 11 o'clock to have. Well, it kind of worked. We have one we have one actual tag back there in person. I was told the latest, Pastor John told me about right before the service started, over half of our 100 online are already taken. So on Tuesday, I anticipated this because I know y'all are generous. I said, Linda, she's running this up. I said, Linda, what happens if we sell out? She's like, we'll get more. So if you want to be generous and you're all of a sudden typing, you're texting uh, the word tree and you're like, there's nothing there, just hold on. Uh, We'll probably send an email out if we get more, but super cool. There's probably 50 left though, so you can do that. And who in here is going to get that last one physically that's out there? Who's going to get it? You're just going to send the brothers out there to get it, right? So we got the brothers. You're into action. You're doing it. You're working generously. Now here's what we need to continue with. The, The verses tell us to consistent, be consistent in your acts of generosity to keep the feeling of obligation away consistency will keep the feeling of, I have to, obligated away. Now, here's here's how we get this from the text. Look at this. He says, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident, right? He's boasting these people. He's like, wait, do you see my kid? And like, oh, you missed me, yeah. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance He's like pushing it home right here, right? To urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as grudgingly giving. What does he mean by that? How many times have you ever given and you felt that you had to do it out of obligation or guilt? You, I know that, that you've experienced this probably when you're getting off the interstate in Dallas and the, at the exit down there, there's someone holding the, a cardboard sign and you're running through your head. You're like, oh, is it safe to open the window? Is it, you know, uh, will they just use it on drugs or alcohol? All these stuff's going through. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I'm just going to give it to just get them away or this and that. You know, there's all sorts of motivations we have. My dad, whenever he would give, one time he gave a $20 bill. My uncle's like, perk, how do you know he's not schooling you? You're not running the line. Dad says, well, that's for God to work out. God will figure that out. I did what I was supposed to do, right? But there's times when you're like, you, God didn't move your heart. He may have, but usually he doesn't in those situations. You don't know. You're like, I don't know. And you feel obligated. What Paul is saying here is, I don't want the brothers and me to show up with the Macedonians, the whole enclave. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, we said we would, we got to do it. And, and we like lock the doors and we're like, we got to pass the plates again <laughs> and again until we get what you promised. Instead, he says this. Get ready in advance. 
Make it consistent. It'd probably take months before Paul, you know, the letter gets there. This is back in the days. It'd take the letter two months to get there, let alone the brothers. So by the time they get there, months have passed. Make it a regular thing, Paul says. Maybe you decide, okay, this week I'm going to give, this week I'm going to give. It's like when you're saving for retirement. If you want to save $2 million, you're not going to do it in one week or one year. But over a 40-year span, you got a good job. (laughs) But over a 40-year span, you can actually save that up. Same thing with giving. So you do it with joy as you see God work through you when you're being generous. The work of generosity, when done regularly, can bring joy to your life and not like an, ah, have to do this. Some of you know what this is like. You're like, man, I I set this thing up and and God, you get to the end of the year, you're like, whoa, I can't believe we gave so much. Right? Everybody can be there. If you're a student, no matter what money you get when you start, you can be right there where you're like, wow, look what God is doing through me. The work of generosity is motivated and can only be motivated by Jesus' work of grace, not obligation, but of grace. And here's how we know this. The, the greatest work of generosity that ever happened was Jesus going to the cross. Think about this. If God was in heaven, which he was, if Jesus was on his throne in heaven with God, which Philippians 2 tells us he was, and they were just sitting there thinking about, well... Those people are in a mess. They're in quite a pickle. I want pickles. They're in quite a mess. Should we go down? I, well, I kind of told him in Isaiah I would do this. I prophesied. It's been about 700 years. It's now I think it's about the time. What if they just thought about coming to save us? What if Jesus just thought about coming to, to show you what true love was? What if Jesus just thought about uh, uh, giving you grace, but never actually went there and did the work of generosity? we'd be in pretty sad shape. But I'm so glad by him doing that, he not only motivates us, but shows us a way to do that as well. And a person that first experienced that was a rich man named Joseph. Listen to what these verses say. This is at, at the night of the crucifixion when Jesus dies. Says, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus, going to Pilate, He asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph, now now first, he went to Pilate. Second, he took the body. Third, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. And then finally, fourth, he placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now here's, there's a lot of different places people in in the Holy Land will say, oh, Jesus is buried here. Jesus is buried there. Jesus is buried there. Well, this is probably one of the most primary ones where people think this is where the tomb was that Joseph gave him. Now, with our modern day mausoleums, this doesn't look like much, but this was huge. This was Joseph doing the work of generosity where Jesus entered his heart. Uh, You don't get in scripture message or a mention that he's actually at the foot of the cross, but he had to be somewhere around there. Yeah, Jesus' mother, Mary, Mary Magdalene, all these different ones, John, all these people around the cross, and Joseph had to have been close. And look at what this work of generosity did. It caused boldness. He actually went to Pilate. Think about how smart or not that was to do. Uh, yeah, you just like killed this guy, and I'm his friend, and I believe what he believed, and so uh, can you, I want to be a part. He could have been crucified. But instead... 
He boldly said, I'm going to do the work of generosity. And I, I never noticed this before until I was reading the text this week. Look, notice it says that this was the tomb that he carved out himself. That he carved out. That's a work of love right there, man. I worked so hard on this. I'm preparing this for not just me, but probably my family. You know, we got some money. I'm, I'm decking it out. And then all of a sudden, no, I'm going to give this to my Savior. That's a work of generosity. Do you know that same thing can happen in your life when you allow Jesus to really enter it? When you focus on the cross, you say, Lord, let me just ponder what you did and now see what I can do through you. So here's how it works. It's very simple. Live a life of generosity. I'm going to give it to you straight. Plan, begin, repeat. Plan, begin, repeat. Okay? You plan to be generous. I'm not just going to let it happen. Like if you plan your work and you work the plan, the old adage goes, if like you, you have a, a, an outline of this is how much I'm going to give each week, okay? This is what I want to give. Just start somewhere. Have a plan. Talk to your spouse if you're married. Talk to your family. If you've got a whole bunch of people in your family, talk about this. We're going to plan. And, and this part, the second part is very important. Actually begin. Right? This is, goes back from the beginning. We don't just don't have a desire and a plan. We're actually going to do something. I go back to, uh, to, to the health stuff. Think about it. You're like, you know what? I have a plan starting January 1st, how I'm going to be healthier. Especially it involves eating maybe or not eating that. And then you get to January 1st, you're like, yeah, but I ate a ton last night. We have leftovers, so it's January 2nd. And then you're like, I'm going to have a plan now, but then uh, the Super Bowl's in three weeks. I know what I'm going to eat then. You're like, well, I'm going to start after that. But then February 14th is in a couple weeks. I know I'm going to take my loved one out. We're going to, it was our anniversary or this and that. We're going to eat very badly. Maybe I should, oh, and then Ash Wednesday's coming. So I got Fat Tuesday. I'm going to eat a lot of pancakes. And then, and then you're like, well, and then Easter, you got ham. It's already halfway through the year. You've been planning, but you didn't begin. So if you're planning, start now. Don't wait till the, the beginning of the year. Start now. Begin and then repeat. That's the idea. If you do it continually, you keep it going. You're not going to miss it. It's just part of what's going on. But you will reap so many benefits from God as he blesses your heart by realizing you are changing lives. You are helping people as you do the work of generosity.